0: How's everyone today? Woo-hoo. Good, good opportunity to worship. Uh, some fun stuff today coming in. I, I hope that you had this sense of uh, that today would be a really special day. Uh, don't know if you had a chance to look at at all or not at the timeline. But after the service, uh, the timeline is probably going to stay up for two or three months. So uh, be sure and take some time and, and uh, start down at this end uh, hundred and seventy five years ago today. That's that's just crazy to wrap your brain around um, and you get a chance to kind of walk down the hall and see uh, information, see the ways that God has worked in the past. Uh, just a really cool thing. I don't know if you heard it or not, but I think Dick Pearson rang the bell before the service. Um, that bell is one hundred and twenty five years old. Hundred twenty five. That's that's just crazy. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, before that, before we do that, I I do want to say, next week we start a new series, a new series of messages. They're going to come from the book of Joshua, Jason. If you if you've got that, can uh, put up that turning point slide. The the title for the series is going to be turning points, and I, I let you know that just simply so you have uh, sometimes. It, People say, boy, I'm not really sure where to read in Scripture. I don't, I kind of don't know where to start. If that's where you are, maybe you've been studying Scripture a long time and you'd, and it just helps to kind of get God's Word in you so that you're thinking ahead of time in preparation for the messages. Start in the book of Joshua, which is back in the Old Testament, and it's a really easy book to read because it's narrative, it's stories. It's about how God has worked in the nation of Israel and some really interesting and cool stuff that we'll be talking about for the next uh, six or eight weeks or so. If you have your Bibles, take them out. And I wanted to use a passage of Scripture to just kind of set the stage for today. Um, If you've got electronic device, tablet, smartphone, whatever, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter three. If you are of a certain generation. Certain age when you hear the words from Ecclesiastes three, you think the birds and Pete Seeger because there's this song called turn, turn, turn that the lyrics come right from Ecclesiastes three. If you're uh, maybe you're not of that generation, but you just like oldie music from the 60s um, when you hear these words you'll start to hear the music in your head. Ecclesiastes 3 kind of sets the stage for today's message. For everything there's a season, turn, 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 and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what's planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And today is a time to celebrate. So give me some whoop whoop. More, 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 more. Yeah, yeah, uh, there we go, there we go. Today is a time to celebrate as a church because we recognize that on this day, on May 10th in 1840, a group of people got together and said, you know what? We've been studying scripture together. We've been we've known that we're followers of Jesus. We need to come together and plant a church in this little town of DeWitt. Um, The first white settler had only come 10 years before that. And this group of people got together and said, you know what? We need on the edge of the frontier to have the presence of God here. We need to come together and encourage each other. We need to call each other to deeper faith, to being more consistent, um, to, to, to being bolder in our faith in Jesus. And now, 175 years later, the body still exists. Is that incredible or what? Um, the, w- w- I want to let you know today's the anniversary, but in about a month, uh, roughly six weeks, we're actually going to have a big anniversary party. On the evening of June 27th, which is a Saturday night, we're going to, uh, to have a catered dinner together. Um, we're gonna have, we're, we're uh, going to have some special speakers come in, some special music that's going to be there. It's going to be a really, really cool time to celebrate. And I want to invite you today to start now to, to buy your tickets for that. It's catered dinner, so it's kind of like wedding reception. You've got to know how many people are coming, all that stuff. It's $20 a piece. Which, um, I don't know if that's a lot to you or not, but we want you to come, all right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a very, very cool thing. The tent that we've got is 180 feet long. That's a big tent. That's a big tent. It Actually, I walked it off this week to make sure that it would fit in the yard out there, and um, it will fill pretty much all of that space. So there's going to be just a, a neat opportunity to get together and to just celebrate for several hours. People sharing how God has worked in the past and what God has done. And we want you to be a part of that. So um, out at the events area out out front, you can start now buying those tickets for the for the 27th. That's going to be a, a cool thing. Um, In in thinking about this morning in the celebration of Mother's Day, I I was thinking, God, how do those things fit together? And where I want you to go to just take a look is to Psalm 127, because Psalm 127 pulls together a couple of things in, in just a really incredible way. Psalm 127 says this, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain it's in vain that you rise up early and go to late uh, and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil for he gives to his beloved sleep those first two verses unless the lord builds the house he labors in vain that tries to build it to try and construct any kind of organization that would last more than a few years takes lots of skill but to think about a body of believers that would come together and 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 continue to meet on a weekly basis for 175 years, it's only by the hand of God that that could happen. Only by the hand of God. Um, If if we, I think, if we only knew over the 175 years the number of times that the church was, was in a precarious place, either because of finances or relationships or whatever, it's only because of God's goodness that we continue to meet here together today uh, I, r- I really do encourage you to spend some time walking from this end and starting with that timeline that starts in 1840 and just walking through the history of the church um, it's not a history designed to say oh good look at us we're great it really is a history that's designed to to show the the fingerprints of God on this body of believers um, Maxine Klan and Susan Herring, um, Amy Smith, uh, Rob Klan, Tim Decker just did an incredible job in putting that together. And when, yeah, yeah. And it, it may be that you like history, it may be that you don't, but I'd encourage you to just kind of walk down through there. When I, when I did that yesterday morning when it was all up, um, I just had this sense that you know, it's incredible to think about how God has been involved in the, the history of events that have happened that have brought us to here. Um, right out in this hallway is a quilt that was made in 1894. Have you seen that? Um, it doesn't get out much. It's a it's a big deal that it's here. So don't touch it. All right. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> But if you look at that, there's like five hundred and forty names on there. We were having a conversation about the quilt. Yesterday was the first day I've seen it. And it's it's incredible. But um, we were having a conversation. They said, how how did they get those names on the quilt? Because five hundred and forty people paid ten cents a piece to have their name put on the quilt. And that fifty four dollars or whatever it was, was given to the building fund in eighteen ninety four for the church. Uh, we've, we've been having this contest to say, okay, ten cents in 1894. What's that comparable to now? And um, it, it all depends on how much money we want to. Uh, to you know, ten dollars. It's actually like three dollars and seventy-eight cents, or something like that. I forget what it is. But um, when you look at that, um, it, it's an incredible thing. The conversation we said, how they get the names on there? They didn't use like embroidery markers, right? Because they weren't there. All of the names. Are hand stitched into that quilt, and you look. If you look at the squares, you can tell that different ladies did each square, because some of the names are written in um, uh, in in cursive, and some are not. Some are written in a different kind of a figure, and it's a cool thing. Um, when I looked at it yesterday, I had I had the same sense that uh, last week when I wasn't here, I was in New York with, with um, my sons. Uh, the wit Choirs were on a trip to New York City. And um, when we were there, we went to the 9-11 memorial. When I w- looked at the quilt, I had the same sensation that I did at the 9-11 memorial as we're standing looking in at the pool and seeing the names of each person who died on September 11th. It's the same sensation I experienced the first time I saw the Vietnam Memorial in D.C. and looked at 57,000 names on the wall. When you look at those names and you realize each of them have a story, each of them had a family, each each of them saw God working in their lives 120 years ago. And that same God is who we serve today. He's the same God who's dealing with each of us individually. As you look around, God's doing a work in each person. We all have a story. And that's incredible. The bigness of God. Um, As you came in today, there was there was uh, you may have seen a video of the bell being moved. The, The church bell that that Dick rang was set in place. With the church in 1890, 125 years ago, the bell began to ring out the news that Jesus is alive. It's time to come worship. It began to be used to draw people to Jesus in an incredible way. Um, why is the anniversary such a big deal? I think it's this. It's, it's because the average lifespan of a church In America, the average lifespan of a church is about equal to the average lifespan of a person. Most churches, from the time that they're planted until the time that they shut their doors, sell their facilities, whatever, it's typically somewhere in the 60 to 80 years range. Some make it a little bit longer than that. But roughly, that's about how long churches last. Most churches struggle their first few years just like a baby. They struggle to survive, to make it, to be able to get the nutrition and nourishment that they need. And once they get to four or five years old, they begin to they they begin to grow some. Once they hit their teen years, they begin to really um, make an impact in the world around them. By the time they're in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, the church is is typically dynamic and, and has this strong presence in the community for Jesus. But sometime as a church reaches 50 or 60s years old that that sense of mission and urgency begins to fade and when that happens the church starts this this path that ultimately is going to lead to death when a church stops going on new adventures with god when a church stops taking risks when a church becomes more concerned with preserving their assets their assets than pursuing their calling the church is dead it's just a matter of when they're going to shut the doors when a church only moves when there's certainty the church is dead our call for us as a church at North Point at 175 years ago at 175 years old we, we can be We can enjoy being together, we can come together to worship, but if we stop listening to God, if we stop taking risks, if we stop following where he leads, it'll only be a short time before the body dwindles and dies out and the church is no more. Um, You know, with every family, when you're growing up in a family, there comes this time when you have a sense of kind of who the family is, what what they're known for. Right. You may be able you may look on your birth family. You may look back and say, oh, we were a shouting family. Everybody shouted at each other. We were a happy family. We were, uh, you know, whatever the kind of family is. I remember a conversation um, very clearly that I had with my dad. Uh, when I was in sixth grade, I was going out for football, for Wee football, and it was August. It was hot, and um, I wanted to play football, but I did not want to do conditioning. And I can remember very specifically coming home from like the third or fourth practice. Dad's driving in the car. I'm in the front seat. and I said, Dad, uh, I don't think I want to play football. It's, you know, I'm thinking in my head, it's too hot. It's, you know, it's too hard. I don't want to play football. Dad said, that's fine. That's no problem. I'm thinking, yes, no more conditioning. I'm good. He said, when the the season ends, you don't have to ever play again. And he said these words. He said, rubles aren't quitters. (laughs) That's my dad, if you don't know him um, down there. Um, That conversation shaped me. Rubles aren't quitters. You don't quit. Um, every family has that. Let me share with you some traits that are part of the DNA of North Point. I do that because sometimes when you're a part of the body, you just don't think about what you do. But let me share five things that I think for from somebody who's only been here less than a year that I think that these are markers. They're a part of who we are as a church. When I've heard the stories about the last hundred seventy five years, these are a pieces of our DNA, the DNA of North Point is of a church that seeks people who don't know Jesus. Fundamentally, that's who we are. We do not exist to serve ourselves. We exist to serve people who aren't here. We exist to bring people to Jesus. That's why we're here. That, that bell, 125 years, was rung to say, you know what, come and learn about Jesus. In the 1980s, 500 copies of the Jesus film were distributed um, throughout DeWitt to say, we care, we want you to know the story of Jesus. For 175 years, people have been inviting their friends and neighbors to come and learn about who Jesus is. The DNA of North Point is of a church that shares even when it's inconvenient. Um, I loved when I began to learn about North Point, the history of the church. 1928, the Methodist church burnt down. The, this, uh, we weren't in this facility. We were in the center of town. The Methodist church burnt down. And you know what the leaders of the church did? They said to the Methodist church, come worship with us. Not come have your own service, but come be a part of this particular body of Christ. At that point, they were Baptists. Baptists and Methodists together. You know, it, it, that sounds such like a great story, right? It says, oh, that's so cool that they did that. Have you ever had anybody come live with you? In retrospect, it sounds like a great story. Oh, yeah, they lived with us for three months. Oh, it's so good. Not so much, right? Not so much. And, and so think about the inconvenience there was for the church. To invite these other believers into their body. I'm sure that there were conversations where somebody said that Methodist is sitting in my seat in the pew. Get them out of here. Or that, you know, they said, you know what? Those Methodists, they don't know how to take care of babies. They shouldn't be working in the nurse. It was inconvenient. The DNA of North Point is of a place that shares their resources. Um, In the early 1960s, the church actually merged with with, uh, the United Church of Christ because they said, you know what, if we come together, we can make a bigger impact for Jesus. Um, uh, Ten years later, 15 years later, some stuff happened um, based on the authority of Scripture that said, you know what, that probably wasn't a great deal. But the church even changed its name in the process of that. So that they could come together in unity under the name of Jesus. The church is a place that shares its resources. It's a a place that that serves wherever needs exist. Mission trips. When you walk the hall and read about the places that the church has gone. That members of the church have gone to serve other people. To serve in the community. North Point is a place that serves where needs exist. Chris Carter, our our, um, pastor of Connections. Is a chaplain for DeWitt Township Police and Fire Department. That may not sound like a big deal, but it's a significant deal because that means that he invests into the community um, in a way that takes him away from some s- stuff here. That's so important because we share our resources to impact the world around us. North Point's a place that sends workers into the harvest. Uh, in a month or so, the Burketts are going to come back from the Ukraine. The Burketts were people that were just a part of the church here. And during a missions conference uh, 15, 18 years ago, they had a sense of calling from God that they needed to go to the Ukraine with the gospel of Jesus. The church sent them. Um, Abby, Abby Dunn, uh, Courtney Chantier were teenagers here at North Point that had been sent into the mission field in Papua New Guinea. Um, uh, Noel Hickman, who's a pastor at River Tree, grew up here. North Point is a place that has sent workers into the world in the name of Jesus. He's not done with that yet, and I know that there are people here that have this sense that God may be calling them to go and, and know that you're in the right place. You're in a place where God has sent people from to share the, the message of Jesus. Lastly, a part of the, the DNA of North Point is that we stand firm on God's Word. Historically, there has been a commitment to the authority of Scripture, that we would find our direction, that we would settle disputes, that, we would, that um, at our core, we would say, let's go to God's Word and see what that says, because that's the place that has the answers. That's a part of the DNA of our church. I want to introduce someone to you who has a longer history here that can tell some neat stories. Maxine Klan, come on up. If you would, give her a round of applause as she walks up. How's that? Oh, that's hard to do. There you go. Maxine has been a joy to get to know and um She uh, not long after I got here, she she said, hey, did you know that the church is going to celebrate their 175th anniversary next May? I said, no, I didn't. And she and she pulled out this timeline and shared it with me. And she said it would be really cool to have some of these displayed. And I said, Maxine, oh, it would be really cool to have a bigger timeline than that. And um, God has kind of worked through that. Um, She uh, you first came to the church when? Oh, thank you. 1970. 1970, and how did you get here?
1: Jim and Marge McGovney, our next-door neighbors, called and said, "Uh, would you like to come to our church Sunday?" And uh, I said, oh, sure. And I've been coming ever since. We had a six-month-old baby, and I thought, I want to set a good example for my son.
0: And originally, did Rob come with you, or did you come by yourself? Oh, no,
1: he didn't. But? Two years later, he came to a potluck here and um, he sat across from a guy who was a coin collector and Rob's a coin collector. And this guy is a strong believer. And two years after that, Rob received Christ. And boy, that was just super.
0: Wow, wow, wow. Um, so your neighbors invited you to come to church yes. and you came to know Jesus as a result. And how did that impact your family?
1: Well, um Seriously, my dad called me a Jesus freak, and he didn't want anything to do with me. (laughs) My husband was bewildered, and he went and bought a Bible commentary so that he could at least have an idea of what was going on with me. And um, my children loved it because they were little, and they, they just... They like to hear the stories, and I taught Sunday school a lot, and so it was good.
0: Um, Go ahead and share the story that your daughter shared with you in Atlanta this past week.
1: Okay. I was in Atlanta this week for four days helping our daughter. She's uh, having a real difficult pregnancy. It's her third child. And um, so I got to turn back into a mom, and I enjoyed that a lot. And. I said, um, Michelle, I have these little um, papers. In fact, there are some out on the event kiosk, and please pick a, pick one up or more. It says, I'll never forget this special story. I said, So, Michelle, tell me special stories. Hi there, Mr. Ruberla, I didn't see you before. <laughs> I love it when he comes to our class, he's <laughs> just a gem. Um, So, Michelle, tell us a little bit about um, what it was like growing up here. Because, you know, our kids all grew up here. We have five children. She said, our family was our church people at DeWitt Community Church. Because our relatives all live far away. She said, I couldn't wait to grow up and be in youth fellowship so I could go on a trip that wasn't visiting relatives. <laughs> that would be Michelle. Mm-hmm. Two of those trips were to Mexico, and one of the trips was led by the youth pastor, Jeff Andridge, and Phil Thurston, the missions director, and a believer, hardworking guy named George. George. She said, we built a house for dump people, people that lived on the edge of the dump and went through all the dump stuff, sorted stuff out so they could make a little bit of money. She said, from that trip, the Lord changed my life and gave me such a desire to help other people who are suffering. And I would have to say, because of what you said in your sermon My family has the DNA of Jesus because the gospel has been preached here for years and years and years. That's cool. Isn't that neat?
0: Um, Yeah. I think that's good. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell what she's doing now. Okay, well, Michelle, this poor, suffering girl with her third pregnancy um, she went on from there after high school, and um, the church supported her as a missionary in England for a year. She was with Youth with a Mission, and she um, ministered to prostitutes on the streets um, with two other women. And the police had trained them on what they needed to do to be safe, and they kept an eye on them, and it was good. And then she went to Western Michigan and got her degree in social work. And now um, her husband went on his first mission trip last year. And um, now she is in Atlanta working with a Christian group two mornings a week. She teaches young ladies who dropped out of high school, and she tutors them to help them get their GEDs. And then uh, another morning during the week, she teaches them from Henry Cloud's book about biblical guidelines to help them make good life choices. So I'm real proud of her. I'm proud of all our kids. They've all gone in different directions in their Christianity, but it's, it's a miracle. It's a
0: miracle. Give it up for Maxine. And
1: my dad was in a Christian at
0: 73. Yes. Uh, you know, um, Robin Maxine's daughter... So that she grew up loving church. And when Maxine told me that, um, it brought something to mind because this past week, sometimes as a, as a pastor, as a minister, you get notes from people. Most of the time those notes say that there's something wrong. But I got this note this past week. Um, I got this note this past week. Look up on screen at this. This is from Joy Relier. She's an 11-year-old. And um, she put this in the suggestion box. And it says, I really like this church. It's the best one I've been to. I share that with you for this reason. God is not done here yet. What Maxine and Rob's daughter experienced years ago, joy is experiencing right now. And the world is different because of what's happened here at North Point. Rob and Maxine's daughter... Because of a man named George, was used to touch the people, of uh, to, to build homes for people in Mexico that live in and around a dump. Prostitutes in England were impacted because of a man named George. You may think, you know what, I don't have any real special skills. I didn't go to Bible college. I, I don't know that I've ever really studied the Bible all that well. You may be a man named George that God can use to touch people, that, that the ripples from that, um, from, from that interaction, from that teaching, from that time um, serving God, Spreads out and touches the world. God is not done with us yet. We can't be safe. We can't. Um, we can't just exist to serve ourselves. There is a lost world that God calls us to reach to. Part of why I pick Psalm one twenty seven is because the last half of Psalm one twenty seven ties together. Uh, what I wanted to do this morning in a really cool way verse 3 of Psalm one twenty seven says this behold children are a heritage from the Lord the fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth blessed is a man or woman who fills his square with them he or she shall not be put to shame when they speak with their enemies. In the gate. It's Mother's Day. And there's some cool things that happen as a result of Mother's Day. Um, If you're a mom, would you stand up right now? Stay standing. Now, here's what I want you to do. Moms, you sit down and everyone else stand up. There's a method to my madness in this. All right. So all the moms are sitting down. Everybody else is standing. We're going to pray for the moms who are here right now. So if you're standing, find and maybe your mom and maybe a mom who is sitting around you, find them, go to where they are and just put your hands on their shoulders, their head, whatever. So you can pray for them. Um, And. And I'd like for I'd like for you to just I'd like to just spend a couple of minutes praying as God leads. Feel free to pray out loud in a full voice, to pray in a whisper, to pray silently. But let's just spend two or three minutes praying for moms right now. Let's pray. God, you know each person here. You know each mom here. Lord, collectively right now, we ask that you would um, bless and surround them with your presence. God, for the young moms, we ask that you would give them strength and endurance. That you'd give them patience through all of the why questions. That you'd give them the ability to enjoy their kids. God, I ask that you would give them strength so that so that they can see the work that they're doing and see what you're doing in the lives of their kids. Build them up, Lord. God, for moms of teenagers, I ask that you'd be with them and that you would give them tremendous wisdom that you'd give them the ability to continue to teach and to encourage and to love on their kids. That you'd give them wisdom to be able to know what to say and at what time so that you could speak through them. Lord, I ask that you'd be with moms whose kids are grown and maybe out of the house. And that you would fill that um, ache that's inside them because the kids are gone. And that you would just surround them with your love. Lord, I ask that you'd be with the moms that are also grandmas, great grandmas. And that you would just encourage them and give them joy as they look at the lives of their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. God, we thank you for the moms that you've given us. We thank you that that um, they've taught us about who you are and how you work. We've They've taught us about um, the consistency of your love they've taught us about your tenderness, your mercy. We ask God that you would just bless them today in Jesus name amen go ahead and be seated and we 're going to continue we 're actually going to continue to pray because I think on mother 's day there's there's lots of stuff that 's just hard sometimes and so if you would just um, go go ahead and uh, And let's continue to pray. Pray for moms that have strained relationships with their kids. Maybe that may describe you, that you have a strained relationship with your mom. Let's just pray that God could work in that relationship, that he would bring healing right now. Pray too for um, um, for the people who are experiencing Mother's Day with emptiness today, because their moms are no longer here to be able to talk to and to love and thank. Um, pray that God would would soothe and comfort those. Pray for moms that you know that maybe have lost a child. Maybe moms that have given up a child for adoption. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Lastly, pray, pray for women who would love to be moms but it just hasn't happened yet. And um, pray that God would work in that situation. God, thanks for moms. Thanks for the wonderful stuff and the hard stuff that happen in relationships. Thank you, God, for each of our moms who you use to bring us into this world. Lord, we ask that you'd bless them today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why does why does celebrating Mother's Day matter. We've thought about that. It's a good thing. You know, the greeting card people, restaurant industry, lots. Why does celebrating Mother's Day matter? Why does celebrating 175th anniversary of a church matter? I think it matters a ton because it's at its bottom line. It's celebrating who God is. The story of a church, the story of a family is the story of God, right? God breathing life in. God sustaining, protecting, redeeming us. The story of moms. The story of the church. It really is the story of Jesus. Both the church and our moms impact lives in the way that ripples begin to expand and spread around the world. And throughout time, moms, thank you. You're making a huge difference in the world. Even if it doesn't feel like it, you're doing significant work. As a church, what we do here is not about us. It's about people for eternity that might come to know Jesus, might come to have a relationship with him. God's faithfulness to North Point has created a DNA that we need to embrace and cherish and reproduce. Moms, you have the ability to establish a pattern in your, in your family, even if your kids are grown, to establish a DNA that can be embraced and cherished and reproduced for generations Impact of moms, the impact of the church. God designed to go on and on and on. And he's not done yet. Moms, when you leave today, we've got some flowers for you. Some of the elders, some I think maybe some other people are going to be at the doors. And um, if you're a mom, if you want to be a mom, if you've ever been a mom, if you like flowers, <laughs> we, d- we want to honor you. And uh, feel free to to take those and to know that you're loved. If you're a kid and want to suck helium on the way out, feel free to take some balloons with you as well. Uh, Someone says, yes, yes, that's the best news yet. God is doing a great work. You know, he's involved in every aspect of our lives. We need to celebrate that. We need to enjoy that and to give him honor and glory for it. Let's pray. God, it feels funny a little bit this morning to have the focus that we've had in our service. And yet, you, I just think that you're at the center of it all. Lord, I am so grateful that 175 years ago today, People put their name on the line. They drew a line in the sand and they said, we need a church here. God, I thank you for your faithfulness that through war years, through times of plenty, through times of struggle, through times of people moving in and out, the change of the community, you have been faithful that you've used this church to touch people's lives God I thank you for moms for the incredible way that you use them to, to help us understand you Lord continue your work in us in Jesus name we pray Amen let's stand together let's sing